You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It was a moment that stopped the country in its tracks. Last Friday, shocking news emerged from South End. Local MP Sir David Amos had been stabbed and killed during a constituency surgery. The Conservative MP Sir David Amos has died after being stabbed in his constituency in Essex. You join us as it's confirmed that the Conservative MP Sir David Amos has died after being stabbed at his constituency surgery. Flags have been lowered to half-mast outside Parliament. The investigation is being led by counter-terrorism officers, but the motive for the attack is not yet clear. Tributes are pouring in and questions are being asked. How safe is our democracy? In Westminster, the shock was palpable. How could this have happened again? For MPs, visibly shaken, it was like a dam had burst and out tumbled horror stories of daily threats and horrific online abuse. I've had physical violence. My car was smashed up. Someone tried to burst their way into my house at the crack of dawn. The most recent threat I've had was someone threatening to throw acid uh, over me. This just keeps happening and we keep having this debate and then nothing very much changes. I was reporting over 100 death threats a week. As the tributes poured in, there were urgent calls for action on three fronts. The protection of MPs, the adequacy of the anti-radicalisation programme PREVENT and then... A third, more incongruous one, on the problems of social media. I confess I'd like to drag Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook and Jack Dorsey of Twitter to the bar of the house, if necessary, kicking and screaming, so they can look us all in the eye and account for their actions. While MP safety is being re-examined, a new bill has been proposed to end online anonymity. It's being called David's Law, but how much does this proposal have to do with what actually happened to David Amos. We risk doing the wrong thing if we do it in haste. I always think of this as the tyranny of something must be done. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, what should be done to keep MPs safe? I'm Rosamond Derwin, the Sunday Times' media and technology correspondent. And Ros, 
It's almost a week now since the shocking killing of Sir David Amos, and since then, there's been a slightly unexpected effect around Westminster, where, along with the outpouring of grief and the memories and the sorrow, there's sort of been a collective moment of people stopping and talking about how they felt under threat. It's almost as if everyone was just waiting for something to happen. Tell me about some of the MPs you've been talking to. What are they saying to you? The first thing to note is that, obviously, they all are devastated uh, by the death of Sir David Amos. This is the second death of an MP in five years. The wider conversation has moved on to discussing the sort of context in which MPs have to operate. Of course, some people have been quite critical of the fact, and I do think this is worth noting, that we've, we're having this conversation at all because they say, well, we don't know that this played any role in Sir David Amos's death. And, and certainly it, it doesn't seem to have been a motive, but obviously we don't yet know all the details of that. And I should note, it isn't quite all MPs. You know, the odd MP has said to me, actually, I don't get any online abuse. But the vast majority I've spoken to get a huge amount and obviously within that, some of it, the absolute worst end is death threats and, and against female MPs, rape threats. It's very, very draining for people having to live with that, unsurprisingly, trying to do your job. You know, one thing that kept coming up is, is people said, you know, why is such a proportion of my day being taken up by blocking accounts or reporting online threats to the police? And some people will say, well, look, it's just online chatter. People shouldn't be so affected by it. But it really does poison the atmosphere people are working in, doesn't it? I think that's right. And I think the problem with saying it's just something that people now have to deal with is I think there's two issues there. The first is that we're saying that that only the people who have the absolute thickest skin, the rhino hide skins, can go into politics. Because... If you're the kind of person who doesn't think this is just something you have to put up with in your job, you're not going to want to go into politics. You're going to put people off who would otherwise be great public servants. The second half of that is, of course, not all MPs are getting this. So it's disproportionately affecting women and people who are non-white. Sadiq Khan, obviously the mayor of London, his Instagram, his Twitter, his Facebook are just completely covered in racist abuse. And actually, I could find a, a pretty unpleasant threat about him incredibly easily that remained on Twitter. So this was written on the day David Amos died. And when I checked on Sunday, it was still there. And it said uh, about David Amos, the man should still be breathing the oxygen you are wasting. And Twitter doesn't think that's worth removing. That doesn't constitute a threat. So they, they'd leave it up there. So Sadiq Khan said to me that when he first became mayor, Lots of his wider social circle would say, oh, you know, I'd hope my child would be inspired by you. But then I looked at what you have to put up with every day and I couldn't tell my child to go into politics now. So I think it, it poisons a wider thing where we will struggle to find a diverse group of candidates. And what do we know about how often, you know, the abuse that people are getting online actually tips over into something that is a credible threat? You know, how many people are actually being arrested for the threats that they're making? So we don't have exact details. We had a couple of different figures that, that were given to us. So Tulip Sadiq, who's the MP for Hampstead and Kilburn, she said she gets an abusive message every day on social media 
and a violent threat, so rape or death threats and, and death threats against her family, about every three weeks. So she's going to the police about every three weeks to report stuff. Two weeks ago, I reported that Tulip Sadiq's car window had been smashed and obviously it was outside her home. And that's a pretty intimidatory thing to happen. There was a a woman who worked for Yvette Cooper who was on the Today programme on Saturday called Jade Botterill. She was reporting 100 death threats a week, which, you know, is, it seems wow. insane. Yeah. It made her obsessed with finding these death threats and reporting them. And she ended up having nightmares um, about Yvette Cooper being stabbed in the constituency. The last 18 months, two years of my role, I spent a lot of time having to report death threats. And I feel like my working week, 20, 30 hours a week, was spent reporting death threats, giving statements to the police and giving impact statements for court hearings. And obviously what ended up happening, unsurprisingly, is she left politics. I would say that most MPs, and obviously we don't know that the same people who send social media abuse are the same people necessarily who then go and throw a, a rock through your window. But I noticed that one MP on Twitter, a Labour MP, said that she saw on the news a picture of her smashed constituency office and she said she'd actually forgotten that had happened because it becomes so normalised. I mean, that, that, I think, tells you an awful lot. What are the police doing in order to keep MPs safe? What were you hearing from, from people? Of course, you can get 24-hour security, and that's given to a small number of senior politicians. It's Sadiq Khan, I understand, has it now? Yes. So I spoke to both Joe Swinson and Sadiq Khan about about what that's like to live with. So Joe Swinson, obviously, who's no longer an MP, but but she had 24-hour security during the general election of 2019. Now, the difficulty is, it's really hard to live a normal life while you have 24-hour protection. I also think it's not a context in which you'd want to bring up two young children. And Sadiq, his children are older, but again, it's a really horrible way to live. If he goes to walk his dog, as I actually did with him, you know, there were two sort of <laughs> two big guys uh, following us around at some distance. He spoke, I think, very eloquently about this at Labour Party conference. I'm not going to allow these racists and these Islamophobes uh, to, to uh, you know, to intimidate me uh, and I will never bow to them. And we need to know what's going on. We need to know that, you know, the, the mayor of the greatest city in the world uh, needs protection 24 hours a day, seven days a week because of the colour of his skin and the God he worships. That can't be right. You know, he said he had thought about leaving politics. And I think that's incredible. You know, that, that should never be the reason somebody quits. But Joe Swenson said that she sent a Christmas card to all of the security detail that had been attached to her. And I think she said it was between 18 and 20 people. Wow. And that's because obviously they had, I think, three people in one go. And obviously you're covering 24 hours and, you know, people are working shifts. You know, could we really suggest that they have to invite sort of 18 people into their life in that way? And lots of MPs would be incredibly resistant to this too. Joe Swinson at the time was leader of the Lib Dems. Has that ever been necessary for a leader of the Lib Dems before? No. And and one point that Sadiq, Khan also made is that uh, no mayor had ever needed it before him. I mean, for Joe Swinson, a lot of this was to do with Brexit. And in fact, a pro-Brexit campaigner did end up being jailed last year for threatening her child. So, and, and I would say there's a whole different set of things that trigger people. It's a very, very broad 
range of causes. So Matt Hancock recently ran the London Marathon with two police officers, and that's because he'd been targeted by anti-vaxxers. Rosie Duffield has had abuse from trans rights activists. She couldn't, she felt unable to go to, to the main British Party conference. And some MPs have been talking about this for a long time. So Diane Abbott, I interviewed her back in 2015, I believe. And then when I posted the piece, I don't think I had anticipated the volume of racist abuse I would be copied into. And it was shocking. You know, I thought, gosh, I'm only getting a section of what she's getting. And this is horrific. She said something incredibly eloquent a couple of years later, I think. She'd asked one of her young staff members what it was like going into politics. When people ask her, what is the most surprising thing about coming to work for me? The most surprising thing for her is how often she has to read the word She hadn't expected to see the N-word used so much. I've had death threats. I've had people tweeting that I should be hung if quotes they could find a tree big enough to take the fat weight there was an edl affiliated twitter account hashtag burn diana but i've had rape threats and this comes in through emails through twitter through facebook Amnesty International found that Diane Abbott had received almost half of the abusive tweets that were sent to female mps before the last election Yes, I I think that's actually changed now. But yes, absolutely. I mean, her feed was absolutely bleak. I mean, she is less active now on social media than she was and and also less high profile, obviously, because she's not in the shadow cabinet. But why should anyone have to go through that for doing their job? And Ros, I mean, for for people who are listening to all of this stuff coming out of Westminster now and and starting to get a, a sense of the scale of just how bad the abuse has got. I suppose people will be wondering, are things really any worse now than they were, say, 20 years ago? You know, six MPs have now been killed in the post-war period. Two of the most recent ones were, of course, Sir David Amos and Joe Cox. But, you know, before that, we had the IRA killing three three MPs. One was killed by the Irish National Liberation Army. Are MPs any more at threat now than they were before? That's a really difficult question, isn't it? I think it is worth remembering that we have had attempts on people's lives. So Stephen Timms, where the person has survived and also an awful lot of foiled plots. So I think what you'd have to have to do a better comparison is the number of plots against MPs that have foiled. It's a different kind of threat from the IRA, obviously. And, you know, living in fear of the IRA must have been terrifying too. What I think is different now is that the sort of volume has been turned up on it all. So this is every single day that you're going on your Twitter feed and seeing all all this abuse and and unpleasantness and, and in the worst case, threats. I spoke to some MPs who'd asked for their security to be reviewed within the last year because I think this really is at the top of people's minds and it was even before Sir David Amos's death. One MP told me that he had asked to have his security reviewed and because the House of Commons authorities are changing over contractors, he'd been told he was going to have to wait and that they couldn't do it at the moment. Now, the House of Commons says that, oh, that's very unlikely, but I've got to say, I trust my source here. Um, he's, He's telling the truth. I mean, he has no reason not to about that. So that's a really important element of this that we need to make sure they've got as much security 
as they want. I know that that they've definitely improved on that generally, though. The current speaker, Lindsay Hoyle, really takes this stuff incredibly seriously. Is it possible to stop all these attacks? Well, only if MPs are okay, and many of them don't want to do this, with having very stringent security around meeting their constituents. And, you know, David Amos was somebody who liked being out in his constituency and he wanted to have an open door policy and thought that that was a really important part of being an MP. He published his memoirs earlier this year called Eyes and Ears and I went back and read the ending, which, and he talks exactly about that. He sort of says the most important part of being an MP is the constituency surgeries. It is being there for your constituents and that's the bit that's under threat, ironically. Exactly. He had realised himself after the death of Joe Cox that this was a problem. And I don't, I don't quite know if we're really ever going to be able to take away the entire threat here. Coming up, could the rush to do something lead to a law which might restrict free speech? But first... I'm Emma Tucker, editor of The Sunday Times... It's thanks to listeners like you that we're able to provide journalism that matters. Get to the heart of the story every day with The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today and enjoy one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What better way to ensure that a fine parliamentarian did not die in vain than to enshrine one of his last wishes in legislation forever? So let's put 
if I may be so presumptuous, <coughs> David's law onto the statute book. A lot of the talk now is focusing on the idea of David's law. Tell us a bit about that. Tell us what, what would the law be exactly and how would it work? Well, this is a very, very good question because the honest answer is people don't really know yet. So the suggestion is a David's law would crack down on social media abuse of public figures and end online anonymity. The challenge is if you end online anonymity, you will make life incredibly difficult for people like whistleblowers and pro-democracy campaigners in countries where they don't have democratic governments. And so Keir Starmer's rightly said, well, we can't lose track of the fact that actually David Amos's killing was an alleged act of terrorism. Civility matters, and it matters in politics. We must not lose sight of the fact that David's killing was an act of terror in our country. But the challenge is MPs see this all as a, in a wider picture than that. While people in public life must remain open to legitimate criticism, they can no longer be vilified or their families subject to the most horrendous abuse. And think we should be getting the bosses of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, and of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg. We should be getting them into Parliament. So they can look us all in the eye and account for their actions. And if the social media companies don't want to help us drain the Twitter swamp, then let's compel them to do it. By law. A lot of MPs told me that they had reported violence and threats and intimidatory posts to Facebook and Twitter, and they could not get them taken down. One MP had his the picture of his front door, his wife's workplace address, the address of his children's school, worst of all, posted on Facebook. That's horrifying. The way Julian Knight, who's the chair of the DCMS Select Committee, talks about it, he says the thing is Facebook sees it as legitimate public debate rather than, no, this is a threat. And Rolls, with this potential idea of David's law that's being mooted, I mean, they really seem to be focusing on the idea of getting rid of anonymity online. What effect do you think that would have? It's an interesting one because some of the nastiest abuse I've had has been attached to a name. And I think MPs might tell us something similar. And my worry is how practical is it? Would people have to scan their passports to get to Facebook or whatever to prove who they are? The more you think about it, the more problematic it gets. So here's my question as well. What is it that makes people post things online that are horrible? Is it just anonymity? Now, I've often thought, I mean, I think it's a big contributing factor, but I think there's a disinhibitation effect of the fact that you can't see the other person's face. Roz has experienced this firsthand. Like MPs, it's not uncommon for journalists to receive death threats. The worst one was when I was nine months pregnant. Someone with a massive Twitter following set all their followers on me and did it over a three-day period. I, I got a death threat against my baby. Someone said they'd come to the labour ward and murder my child. That's horrendous. Yeah, it was awful. I mean, that's still making me shiver just saying it out loud. And then I received another one saying that I, my, ba my son would be lucky if I died in childbirth. 
not oh, to have God. me as a mother. And then lots of things like saying that I was going to be a terrible mother and just like like less high. But, you know, you're obviously at that point, you, it's, it's bad because you do feel very vulnerable when you're pregnant. I kind of hadn't quite realised what that feels like. It was spectacularly hard on my health. And, you know, I, I, I actually had physical symptoms as a result of this, which obviously is not what you want when you're heavily pregnant and trying to care for another being. And was, you know, was that person, was that an, an anonymous person online? I mean, you know, did you know exactly who it was? Did you know, did you have a name? Uh, the person who gave me the death threat to my son, n- no, because the way they did it, it just got deleted immediately. So they blocked me after I'd read it. And so, of course, I don't know who that person was. And that's really scary. Of course, I should have gone to the police with that threat. That's a, a death threat against my child. But I had no ability to. And there's no way I can get it back off Twitter or whatever. It's gone. Because I've been subject to abuse, it's made me incredibly determined that that never happens to anyone else. Uh, Thank you, Mr Speaker. The inescapable desire of this House on Monday to finally clamp down on the extremism, the hate and the abuse that festers online is incredibly welcome. But closing down anonymous accounts would not have prevented the murder of Joe Cox, nor of PC Keith Palmer. And although we don't know the full circumstances surrounding his death, nor would it have saved Sir David. With this legislation, with David's law, if it does go through, is there a chance that politicians sort of feel like they want to be doing something, they feel so horrified by by what's happened, they'll rush through some legislation which... You know, we're not even sure we'll solve the problem, but also we're not sure it really was what drove the, the killers of both Sir David Amos and Joe Cox. We do not know if any of this played a role in Sir David Amos's death. The difficulty is if you do this too quickly, you risk getting it wrong and it's really important we get it right. Yeah, because I mean, I suppose, you know, there are people who are whistleblowers, for example, who feel like they can say things online that they couldn't in any other context. Yeah, I mean, it's a really obvious example, but Secret Barrister provides a really useful insight for a lot of people into the court system. Would it be worth removing their anonymity? Well, I would argue not. So you'd have to make exemptions. And then, you know, when you get into exemptions, the problem is... It becomes meaningless. (laughs) Exactly. I always think of this as the tyranny of something must be done. We risk doing the wrong thing if we do it in haste. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, The Sunday Times media and technology correspondent, Rosamond Irwin. You can find all of Ros's work at thetimes.co.uk if you've got a subscription or in the print edition. The producers today were James Shield and Asia Fuchs. The executive producer was Kate Ford and sound design was by Falcon Kisseltuk. If you'd like to get in touch with us with any ideas for future episodes or any thoughts on what you've just heard, then do drop us a line to storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.